What's poppin' y'all? You already know what time of night it is. 11.39 p.m. And we are back at it again like we never left with chapter 16 of Twilight. You already know who I'm with. Hey. It's Davey, you already know. <laughs> hey. Uh, but the cool thing about this episode, this is the first episode we're actually recording in Scotland. Scotland. Yeah, yeah, we kind of, we did something quirky, did something fun, and really cool. Moved out the country, you know, had to shake things up a little bit. Um, so yeah, if you want to like see what's going on in our journey, make sure y'all follow us on our social media pages there in the description of this episode. But let's go ahead. That's a quick little update. Let's go ahead and hop right into it. Chapter 16 of Twilizzy. Twilizzy. Skitty, Live from a cozy spot on the sun, this is Silver Radio. So, do you remember what? happened in the last chapter in chapter 15 where we left off at absolutely not <laughs> okay so yeah this is where we finally where um miss bella actually got some more details and information about eddie's family um this is where we actually learned oh, when, they, when she went to his house yeah and like eddie was showing her carlisle like the cross and shit and learned about like why like how Carlisle turned into a vampire. Um wait. Yeah, I barely remember that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like um like Carlisle was like uh like his family was damn, what was it? They were like oh yeah, what, church 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 yeah, 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 yeah. They were Roman Catholics. Okay. Or something like that. Right. Um Yeah. Yeah. Okay, well we'll pretend that we know what's going on. Let's get let's get it. Okay, let's get it. Chapter sixteen of Twilight by Stephanie Myers. Okay. Titled Carlisle. Mm. Okay, let's Oh get... well maybe <laughs> I didn't know it was gonna be titled Carlisle. <laughs> I feel like now we need we need content. We need a little a little context. Okay, okay. Um, okay, so the last page, like the last like little chunk, I feel like this is like iconic and I remember this, was the fact that Carlisle, when he got bit by that vampire uh-huh. and shit, he what? hit, <laughs> remember oh, it was right. the group? Because, yeah, okay, yes. yes, okay, all right, and yeah. Yeah, he hid in the cellar and buried himself in rotting potatoes for three days. Okay. Yeah, it was a miracle he was able to keep silent to stay uncovered. Right, yeah. Um, yeah. Like, so- bitch. <laughs> That shit was wild. Alright. Yeah, we got it. We're up to date. Okay, we're up to date. Okay, chapter 16, Carlisle. (laughs) He let me... Okay, this is from Bella's perspective. Alright. He led me back to the room that he'd point out as Carlisle's office. He paused outside the door for an instant. Come in, Carlisle's voice invited. Eddie opened the door to a high-ceilinged room with tall, west-facing windows. The walls were paneled again in a darker wood where they were visible. Most of the wall space was taken up by towering bookshelves that reached high above my head and held more books than I'd ever seen outside a library. 
Carlisle sat behind a huge monogamy, mahogany, monogamy. <laughs> oh, Carlisle's desk is monogamous. Just so you all know. <laughs> just FYI. Oh, fuck. Carlisle sat behind a huge mahogany desk in a leather chair. He was just placing a bookmark in the pages of a thick volume he held. The room. How I'd always imagine a college dean's wood would look. The room was how I'd always imagine a college dean's would look. Only Carlisle looked too young to fit the part. What can I do for you? I feel like his voice already changed already. Um, what can I do for you? That sounds better. He asked us pleasantly, rising from his seat. I, I wanted to show Bella some of our history. Eddie said, well, your history, actually. Well... Wait. Oh, he's, oh, he's got a Russian accent. Wait, hold on, this is Bella, hold on. We didn't mean to disturb you. I apologize. No, not at all. Where are you going to start? <laughs> the Wagoner. Eddie replied. <laughs> oh, no. Placing one uh, hand lightly on my shoulder. This whole chapter <laughs> is Carlisle. How are you going to keep up with this Okay, voice? this accent's going to change. This voice will change like all at right, least fine, five times, fine, okay? Fine. Let's see what happens. Uh, the wagoner eddie replied replacing uh placing one hand lightly on my shoulder and spinning me around to look back towards the door where we'd just come through every time he touched me even in the most casual way my heart had an audible reaction it was more embarrassing with carlisle there the wall we faced now was different from the others instead of bookshelves this wall was crowded with framed pictures of all sizes some in vibrant colors other dull monochromes I searched for some logic, some bi- some binding motif, some binding motif the collection had in common, but I found nothing in my hasty examination. Eddie pulled me towards the far left, stand the far left side, standing standing me in front of a small square oil painting in a plain wooden frame. This one did not stand out among the bigger and brighter pieces, painted in very in varying tones of sepia. It depicted a miniature city full of steeply slanted roofs with thin spears atop a few scattered ta- a few scattered towers. A wide river filled the foreground, crossed by a bridge covered with structures that looked like tiny cathedrals. <clears throat> London in the 1650s. Wait, <clears throat> London in the 1650s, Eddie said. The London of my youth, Carlyle added from a few feet behind us. I flinched. I had heard him approach. Eddie squeezed my hand. You were in the room. <laughs> Why are you flinching? Like, you knew he was there. You knew. Like, girl. We tell the, st- <clears throat> tell the story, Eddie asked. I twisted a little to see Carlisle's reaction. He met my glance and smiled. I would. He smiled. He replied, but I'm actually running a little bit late. The hospital called this morning. Dr. Snow is taking a sick day. Besides... You know the stories as well as I do. He added, Eddie, you know. It was a strange combination to absorb. The everyday concerns of the town doctor stuck in the middle of a discussion of his early days in 17th century London. It also it was also unsettling to know that he spoke aloud only for my benefit. After another warm smile for me, Carlyle left the room. I stared a little longer at, at the picture of I stared at the little picture of Carlyle's hometown for a moment very long moment oh my god what happened then i finally asked staring up at eddie who was watching me 
when he realized what happened to him. He glanced back to the paintings and I looked to see which image caught his interest now. It was a larger landscape in dull fall colors, an empty shadowed meadow in a forest with a craggy peak in the, t in the distance. When he, when he knew what he'd become, Edward said quietly, he rebelled against it. He tried to destroy himself, but that's not easily done. How? Oh, I didn't mean to say it aloud, but the word broke through my shock. Oh, I just remember Eddie's voice. <clears throat> he jumped through. He jumped from great heights. Eddie told <laughs> me, his voice impassive. He tried to drown himself in the ocean, but he was young to the new life and very strong. It, it's amazing that he was able to resist feeding, but he was still so new. The instinct is more powerful than it takes over everything. But he was so repelled by himself that he had the strength to try to kill himself with starvation. Is that possible? My voice was faint. No, there are very few ways we could be killed. I opened my mouth to ask, but he spoke before I could. So he grew very hungry and eventually weak. He strayed as far as he could from human populace, recognizing that his willpower was weakening too. For months, he wandered by night, seeking the loneliest places, loathing himself. One night, a herd of deer passing his hiding place. He was so wild with thirst that he attacked without a thought. His strength returned, he realized that there was an alternative to being the vile monster he feared. Had he not eaten venison in his former life, over the next month, his new philosophy was born. He could exist without being a demon. He found himself again. <laughs> he found himself again. <clears throat> he found himself again. He began to make better use of his time. He'd always been intelligent. <laughs> He's always been intelligent, eager to learn. Now he had unlimited time before him. He studied by night, planned by day. He swam the France. <laughs> he swam the France and... He swam the France. He swam to France. That's literally what Bella said. He swam to France. People swim the channel all the time, Bella. Okay, but think about it. No, for real. Because, like, wasn't there a movie or like in, in, or like in the second to last movie or some shit how like they legit just like walked on the floor of the fucking like they didn't swim through the water they walked because they were too heavy to swim because their bodies are made of stone oh shit wait yeah they like walked yeah. through the ocean to go like fight everybody Stop it! Or, like, the lake, not the ocean. But, like, because they couldn't swim <laughs> because they're, they're made of stone. Because they were kind of fucking sick and they did. 
bitch. So I'm like, how did oh my he god. swim? Oh my god. But then it's also like, then we go back to the, again, the second to last movie where Edward and Bella were on that, like, I win together. Like, yeah, and he um, couldn't vacation. go. Oh my god, he was just watching her from the water side that because he couldn't go no, in it. No, he went in the water. He went in the water with her and he like held her up. And oh, this is like naked. Oh my god, wait, what the fuck? I remember now. What the actual fuck? What but the actual fuck? These are the movies, so it's no spoilers. <laughs> exactly. If y'all haven't watched a movie yet, no, but like, I'm saying like it's. Not a spoiler to the books, because the books are probably different. So. Yeah. We'll see what happens. <laughs> Carlisle swam to France. He, I love the, Bro, like, what? Bella in italics says, swam to France. <laughs> he swam to France. Why is he so mad? He said people swim the channel all the time, Bella. Like, we were going to go through the channel to get here. That shit is very wide. You can't casually swim the fucking channel from London to France, bitch. Like, what the fuck? Oh, my God. My tears are all over the <laughs> So, anyway, after Eddie just rudely had to remind Bella that people swim the channel all the time, Bella. That's true, I guess. It just sounded so funny in that context. Go on. <laughs> Swimming is easy for us. What? What? Okay, continue. Everything is easy for you. I gripped. He waited, his expression amused. I won't interrupt you. I promise. He chuckled darkly and finished his sentence. Because technically, we don't need to breathe. You? No, no, you promise. He laughed, putting his cold finger lightly to my lips. <laughs> Do you want to hear the story or not? You can't, you can't spring things like that on me and then expect me not to say anything. I mumbled against his fingers. He lifted his hand, moving it to rest against my neck. Oh. Don't you <laughs> Okay, spider monkey, chill out. <laughs> oh, he lifted his hand, moving it to rest against my neck. The speed of my heart reacted to that, but I persisted. You don't have to breathe? I demanded. No, it's not necessary. Just a habit. He shrugged. How long can you go without mm, breathing? Indefinitely, I suppose. I don't know. It gets a bit uncomfortable being without a sense of smell. A bit uncomfortable, I echoed. <laughs> I wasn't paying attention to my own expression, but something, <clears throat> but something in it made him grow somber. His hand dropped to his side, and he stood very still, his eyes intent on my face. The silence lengthened. His features were immobile as stone. Oh, oh. <laughs> okay, sure. What is it? I whispered, touching his frozen face. He sat, His face softened under my hand, and he sighed. I keep waiting for this to... I keep waiting for this to happen. For what to happen? I know that at some point, something I tell you or something you see is going to be too much. And then you run away from me, screaming as you go. He smiled a half smile, but his eyes were serious. I won't stop you. I want this to happen because I want you to be safe. And yet, I want to be with you. The two desires are impossible to reconcile. 
He trailed off, staring at my face, waiting. I'm not running anywhere, I promise. We'll see, he said, smiling again. I frowned at him. Mm, so, go on. Mm, Carlisle, what's we'll swimming in France? He paused, getting back to his story. Reflex, re- reflexively, his eyes flickered to another picture. The most colorful of them all. The most orange, ornately framed and the largest. It was twice as wide as the door it hung next to. The canvas overflowed with bright figures in swirling robes, writhing around long pillars and off-marbled balconies. I couldn't tell if it was represented Greek, if it represented Greek mythology, or if the characters flowing in the clouds above were meant to be biblical. Carlyle swam to France and continued on through Europe to the universities there. By night, he studied music, science, medicine, and found his calling, his his penis in that, and saving human lives. His expression became odd, almost reverent. I can't adequately describe the struggle. It took Carlyle two centuries of torturous effort to perfect his self-control. Now he is all now he is all but immune to the scent of human blood, and he is able to do the work he loves without agony. He finds a great deal of peace there at the hospital. Eddie stared off into space for a long moment. Suddenly he seemed to recall his purpose. He tapped his finger against the huge painting in front of us. He was studying in Italy when he discovered the others there. They were much more civilized and educated than the race of the London sewers. He touched a comparatively sedate quartet of figures painted on the highest balcony, looking down calmly on the mayhem below them. I examined the grouping carefully and realized with a startled laugh that I recognized the golden-haired man. Sol... Solomena was greatly inspired by Carlyle's friends. He often painted them as gods. Eddie chuckled. Aero, Marcus, Caius, he said, and came the other three. Two black-haired, one snowy white. Nighttime patrons of the arts. What happened to them? Girl, they probably died. <laughs> I, wondered, I wondered aloud, my fingertips hovering over a centimeter from the figures of the canvas. Oops, they're still here. <laughs> He shrugged, as many as they had been for who knows how many millennia. Carlyle stayed with them only for a short time, just a few decades. He greatly admired their civility, their refinement, but they persisted in trying to cure his aversion to his natural food source, as they called it. They tried to persuade him, and tried to persuade, and he tried to persuade them to no avail. At that point, Carlyle decided to try the new world. He dreamed of finding others like himself. He was very lonely, you see. He didn't find anyone for a long time, but as monsters became the stuff of fairy tales, he found he could interact with unsuspecting humans as if he were one of them. He began practicing medicine, but the companionship he craved invaded him. He couldn't risk familiarity. When the influenza epidemic hit, he was working nights in hospitals in Chicago. He'd been turning over an idea in his mind for several years, and he had almost decided to act. Since he couldn't find a companion, he would create one. He wasn't absolutely sure how his own transformation had occurred, so he was hesitant. And he was loath to steal anyone's life. To he was loath to steal anyone's life the way his had been stolen. It was that it was in that frame of mind that he found me. There was no hope for me. I was left in the ward with dying. He had nursed my parents, and I knew I was alone. He decided to try. His voice, nearly a whisper now, trailed off. 
He stared unseeingly into the west windows. I wondered which images filled his mind now, Carlisle's memories or his own. I waited quietly. We, when he turned back to me, a gentle angel smiled at his expression. So we come full circle, he concluded. Have you always wanted to stay? Have you always stayed with Carlisle then? I wondered. Almost always. He put his hand lightly on my waist and pulled me with him as we walked through the door. I stared back at the wall pictures, wondering if I would ever get to hear the other stories. Eddie didn't want, Eddie didn't say any more as we walked down the hall. So I asked, almost, he sighed, seeming reluctant to answer. Well, I had a typical bout of rebellious adolescence. About 10 years after I was born, created, whatever you want to call it. I wasn't sold on his life of absent abstinence, and I resented him for curbing my appetite. So I went off on my own for a while. <clears throat> that was all Eddie's voice, by the way. Really? I was intrigued rather than frightened, as I perhaps should have been. He could tell. I vaguely realized that we were headed up the next flight of stairs. I wasn't paying much attention to my surroundings. And that doesn't repulse you? No. Why not? I guess it sounds reasonable. He barked a laugh more loudly than before. I think he switched their voices. Oh, shit. (laughs) Wait, that doesn't repulse you? No. Why not? I guess it sounds reasonable. (laughs) There we go. He barked a laugh more loudly than before. We were at the top of the stairs now and another panel called away. From the time of my new birth, he murmured, I had the advantage of knowing what everyone around me was thinking, both human and non-human alike. That's why it took me 10 years to defy Carlisle. I could read his perfect sincerity, understand exactly why he lived the way that he did. It took me only a few years to return to Carlisle and recommit to his vision. I thought I would be exempt from the depression that accompanies a conscious but i knew the thoughts of my prey i could pass over the innocence and and pursue only the evil if i followed a murderer down a dark alley where he stalked the young girl if i saved her then surely i wasn't so terrible i shivered imagining only too clearly what he described the dark alley at night and a frightened girl the dark man behind her and edward eddie as he hunted terrible and glorious as a young god unstoppable what the fuck? <laughs> would he would she have been grateful that girl or more frightened than before <clears throat> but as time went on i began to see the monster in my eyes i couldn't escape the depth of so much human life taken no matter how justified and i went back to carlisle and esme they woke me back like the like the prodigal it was more than i deserved we come to a stop in front of the last around the hall my room he afforded me, opening it and pulling me through. It smells like boy. LOL. <laughs> His room faced south with a wall sized wait, with a wall sized window like the great room below. The whole back of the house must be glass. His view looked down the winding soul duck soul duck river across the untouched forest to the Olympic mountain range. The mountains were much closer than I would have believed. The western wall was completely covered with shelf after shelf of CDs. His room was better stocked than a music store. In the corner was a sophisticated-looking sound system, the kind I was afraid to touch because I'm sure I'd break something. There was no bed, only a wide and inviting black leather sofa. 
The floor was covered with thick golden carpet and the walls were hung with heavy fabric in a slightly darker shade. Good acoustics, I guess. He chuckled and nodded. He picked up remote and turned the stereo on. It was quiet, but the soft jazz number sounded like the band was in the room with us. I went to look at his mind-boggling music collection. How do you have these organized? I asked, unable to find any rhyme or reason to the titles. He wasn't paying attention. Um, by year and then by personal preference within that frame, he said absently. I turned. He was looking at me with a peculiar expression in his eyes. What? I was prepared to feel relieved, having you know about everything, not needing to keep secrets from you. But I didn't expect it to feel more than that. I like it. It makes me happy. He shrugged, smiling slightly. I'm glad, I said, smiling back. I'd worried that he might regret telling me these things. It was good to know that that wasn't the case. But then, as his eyes dissected my expression, his his smile faded and his forehead creased. You're, st- <clears throat> You're still waiting for me. You're still waiting for the running of the screaming, aren't you? I guessed. A faint smile touched his lips and he nodded. I, I hate to burst your bubble, but you're really not as scary as you think you are. I, I don't find you scary at all, actually. I lied casually. <clears throat> he stopped, raising his eyebrow in blatant disbelief. Then he flashed a wide, wicked smile. You really shouldn't have said that, he chuckled. He growled, a low sound at the back of his throat. His lips curled back over his perfect teeth. His body shifted suddenly, half crouched, tense like a lion about to pounce. I back away from him, glaring. You wouldn't. It wouldn't. I didn't see him leap at me. It was much too fast. I only found myself suddenly airborne and then we crashed onto the sofa, knocking it into the wall. All the while, his arms formed an iron cage of protection around me. I was barely jostled, but I was still gasping as I tried to right myself. He wasn't having that. He curled me into a ball against his chest, holding me more securely than iron chains. He curled her in a ball? (laughs) What does she mean by that? He is doing this to her? Like, literally? He is, like, crushing her Like, what the... What? What? That's insane. He wasn't having that. He curled me into a ball against his chest. <laughs> Holding me more securely than iron chains. I glared at him in alarm, but he seemed... How did you look at him? You're in a ball. <laughs> Aren't you looking at your knees right now? But he seemed all oh, he seemed well in control. His jaw relaxed as he grinned, his eyes bright only with humor. You were saying he growled playfully. So she's supposed to be scared because she is now circular on his <laughs> chest and they're laying on a couch? Yes. She's supposed to be and she's supposed to be scared by that. Scared of shit. Like he's like, I bet you never thought you'd be a fucking ball. <laughs> Bella, you mean oh, Bella not, the ball? You're not scared. You're not scared, huh? Well, what if I make you a ball, huh? That's he's so like, funny. what about that, huh? That's you so. Don't be scared, Bella. <laughs> Bella the ball, Bella. Huh? I play basketball with you, Bella. <laughs> Ew. <laughs> you were saying he growled playfully. That you are a very, very terrifying monster. Oh. I said, my sarcasm married a bit by my breathless voice. Much better, he approved. Um, 
I struggled. Can I get up now? He just oh left. <laughs> That's such a red flag. Mm-mm. <sighs> okay. <clears throat> I think this might be Alice. Can we come in? A soft voice sounded from the hall. I struggled to free myself, but Eddie merely readjusted me so that I was somewhat more convenient conventionally seated on his lap i could see it was alice then and jasper behind her in the doorway my cheeks burned but eddie seemed at ease go ahead edward was still chuckling quietly alice seemed to find nothing unusual in our embrace she walked almost danced her movements were so graceful to the center of the room where she folded herself sinuously onto the floor jasper however paused at the door his expression (laughs) His expression, <laughs> a trifle stop, a trifle shocked. What? A trifle shocked? Uh, his expression, a trifle shocked. Okay, there we go. He stared at Edward's face, and I wondered if he was tasting the atmosphere with his unusual sensitivity. It sounded like you were having Bella for lunch, and we wanted to see if we could share. What the fuck? <laughs> it sounded like you were having. Bella for lunch. Okay, yeah. And we came to see if you would share, um, Alice announced. I stiffened for an instant until I realized Eddie was grinning, whether at her comment or at my response. I couldn't tell. Sorry, I don't believe I have enough to spare, he replied, his arms holding me recklessly close. Actually, Jasper said, smiling despite himself as he walked into the room. Alice said there's going to be a real storm tonight and Emmett wants to play ball. Are you game? The words were all common enough, but the context confused me. I gathered that Alice was a bit more reliable than the weatherman, though. Eddie's eyes lit up, but he hesitated. He, of course, you should bring Bella. Alice chirped. I thought I saw Jasper throw a quick glance at her. Do you want to go? Eddie asked me, excited. His vision, his expression vivid. Uh, sure. I couldn't disappoint such a face. Um, Where are we going? We we have to wait for Thunder to play ball. You'll see why he promised. Well, I need an umbrella. They all they all three laughed laughed aloud. Will she? Ja- <laughs> will she? Jasper asked Alice. No, she was positive. The storm will hit over town. It should be dry enough in the clearing. Good then. The enthusiasm in Jasper's voice was catching naturally. I found myself eager rather than scared stiff. Let's go see if Carlisle will come. Alice bounded up to the door in a fashion that will break any ballerina's heart. Uh, who said this? Okay. <laughs> like you don't know, Jasper teased, and they were swiftly on their way. Jasper managed to inconspicuously close the door behind them. What will we be playing? <clears throat> what will we be playing? I demanded. You will be watching, Eddie clarified. We will be playing baseball. I rolled my eyes. Uh, vampires like baseball? It's the American pastime, he said with mock salmony, salmony, salmonity. And that, y'all, is the end of chapter 16 of Carlisle. This was like a shorter chapter. Mm. Um, what are your thoughts, you know? That was a lot. <laughs> it was a short chapter, but it sure was a lot. It was jammed packed. And I'm like, I get that, like, Carlisle is the one that bit him and turned him into a vampire, but it doesn't seem like that you should just name the chapter after him. Yeah. Like, but that, the chapter was very much not about him. 
it kind of feels confusing that that was the name. Yeah. Like, it should have, it should have, if it was going to be named after, like, that part of the chapter, then it probably should have been called, like, history. Mm. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. I don't, I don't understand why it was called Carlisle. Because it was basically like, yeah, Carlisle, he, like, was a vampire. He swam to France. <laughs> and then he made me a vampire. And then he's like, and then when I was a vampire, I did this and I did that. And I felt this way. And now I don't have to breathe. And, I don't sleep, and you want to see my, my film collection or no music collection? It's like, okay. So this was not about Carlisle. The main highlight is the fact that he can roll Bella up into a ball. I think so. <laughs> and that's, yeah, that's the biggest takeaway from that. We have 99 pages left in the book. Um, and this, see, yeah, we're 71% finished with this book. So, you know, we're going to be chuggling through and then we could read... Um, t- either like the next one in the series, or we could read, uh, like this book again, but from Eddie's perspective. Yeah. Um, I feel like we should probably read Eddie's perspective. Okay, sweet. So we gonna read the the newest. Um, after we finish this this series and this chapter, I mean this chapters. Um, oh my god, this chapter. <laughs> We finished this series, y'all. This twilight, like this first Twilight book. The book yeah. yeah, the book. We're going to read the Sun next, which is Twilight, like the beginning stages of like literally like this book, but from Eddie's perspective. Um, that just came out like last year. Yeah, like last fall is when it came out. So yeah. So that's it, y'all. Thank you for tuning in to our first international um abroad episode of black A's reading you know um it's been your co-host with the most dosed hey. v <laughs> veronique um and of course like the hottest person on this planet with the biggest and brightest mind also veronique oh shut up <laughs> i'm talking about you and so with that, we are going to bid y'all a good night and tune in for chapter 17 when we post it. Who knows what that is? <laughs> nah, okay. Bye, y'all.